Now, our focal passage for the morning is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Please begin to turn there in your Bibles. And if you do not have a Bible, we invite you to take one in the chair rack in front of you and keep it as a gift from Cross Point of Fellowship. Our main focal truth in our second week in, in Advent is this. God promises to us a peace that goes beyond understanding as part of Christ's gift to us. And I pray that you receive his gift this Christmas season. Now, as we are in our Christmas season this year, you may have family uh, family traditions that you practice each year. For Kendra and I, we consistently put up our Christmas decorations right after Thanksgiving. I don't want to hear Christmas music before Thanksgiving. I'm not going to put anything up before Thanksgiving. We do consistently through our years as the boys were little, a single tree for most of our married lives. And then 12 years ago, we decided to put up two trees, one upstairs and one downstairs. Thankfully, wisdom won out at the end of last Christmas season. We decided to downsize to just one tree. So we did that. When our boys were little, we would always go out to a Christmas tree farm and take turns with the handsaw after we selected a tree and cutting that tree down. We always enjoyed that. Then after we decorated the tree that night, and trust me, I'm expecting some groans. We would decorate the tree and get all the decorations up. Then I would sit down and put the DVD in of It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, I got a chuckle. If, if the boys, or when the boys heard the introduction music, they would try to escape to their room. But I might have come back. Okay. So we've done our decorations and sometime between now and Christmas, I'll watch late night. It's a wonderful life for me. <laughs> Kendra will already be in bed. Traditions in our family are fun. Now, we've, as our children have grown older, our traditions have also transformed. Like, we're in the process right now in, my, in our home of celebrating Christmas with all of our kids and grandkids from Nashville. So December the 8th was our Christmas day. Traditions just go on, but they change sometimes. But when we get ready for Christmas, there is so much to prepare for. Decorations, cooking, where everybody is going to sleep. <clears throat> because when John and Tasha come in from Nashville, Adam and Laura and their four kids move in with us also. But we have everybody. So you, you, you pick out pieces of floor for one or two, and we've got enough beds for the others. But that often leads to frustrations, weariness, short fuses, you know, people get tired. And it can create an atmosphere 
of a lack of peace. But getting ready for Christmas may also involve the family sitting around and reading the passage out of Luke chapter 2 of Jesus coming. Reminding us of that saying, Jesus is the reason for the season. We need to always keep that in mind. It reminds us of the true focus of our celebration of the Christmas season. The story of the birth of Jesus inspires us, or it should inspire us, to focus on giving to others rather than wanting or receiving from others. However, what we can long for, what we can ask for, is for God to give us that peace that comes from Christ Jesus. Admittedly, it's hard to imagine a world of complete peace, isn't it? I mean, we kind of look around and see what's going on. If you're prone to watch the news, which I am not, but there's turmoil everywhere. You don't have to watch the news to know that. And it can be difficult to imagine a conflict-free week of peace and tranquility let alone an entire world filled with peace. We have to remember that the answer to peace resides in Jesus. Now, turn with me this morning to Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. And if you're able, let me invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. God. Y'all may be seated. Now in this passage, we see Isaiah continuing his prophecy about Jesus, this time calling him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The government Jesus is in charge of will never stop growing and will never run out of In a world filled with conflict, this is obviously hard to imagine, but what does this mean? How can we embrace the peace of Christ in the midst of today? Well, we can. 
What's promised to us is an eternal peace in the future. Completely free of conflict. Completely free of sorrow. Completely free of woe. What about today? December 10th, 2023. To find the answer to that, I cannot think of anyone better to turn to and learn from than the Prince of Peace himself. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Turn with me to John 16, 33. As we read the words of Jesus specifically. And he gives us promises for our lives today that we can count on. This peace is not just about in the future, in eternity. It is about that. But it's about more than that. He gives us promises that we can count on today. Now, Jesus tells his his disciples, and that includes us, that you will have peace. And you will have tribulation. That's not exactly the promise we were looking for, is it? But it's there, it's true. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. His first promise. His second promise, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. And here's the third promise. I have overcome the world. That's what we can hang on to. Now, prior to this passage in in chapter 16 of John, Jesus has been telling his disciples about what they can expect to come next. He tells them about how he has to leave them and how he wished he could tell them more But he couldn't at that time. He's also promised to send them the Holy Spirit, which they obviously cannot grasp and understand at that time either. But listen, what Jesus is telling them in this passage is absolutely the truth. He's letting them know that what's going to happen to them. And at the end of chapter 16, then we get, in me, you may have peace. And that is not the word may as in maybe, maybe not. He's telling that's a gift. You may have peace. You will have peace. Jesus was telling the truth to his disciples almost 2,000 years ago. And that truth applies to us where we are today in our lives. We have that very same truth all the time. 
constant. We know that we can trust Jesus. We know that he died. He defeated death. He rose again and he ascended to heaven where even now he sits on the right hand side of the throne of the Father where he is our mediator, our advocate, our Savior. Having peace in Christ means believing in and trusting all that he did. Now, it does not mean that you will be conflict-free. That's a different issue, okay? In fact, he said, you will have tribulation. That's something you can count on. (laughs) It's not something you want to count on, but you can count on it because Jesus spoke it and it's true. But then he also says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And because of that, we have that peace that comes from Jesus Christ. Having peace in Christ means believing in and trusting all that he did. Your allegiance to the kingdom of heaven puts you in direct opposition of the world. So you can expect tribulation. What does, what this does mean though, is that you can have peace. Even in the midst of tribulation. You can have peace deep in your soul, no matter what trouble comes your way. God speaks clearly of this peace through Paul's writing to the church in Philippi and us today. In Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Here God says through Paul, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's promised here? That in Christ, today, Regardless of what trial you're going through, what tribulation you're going through, what attacks you're going through, weariness, frustration, maybe anger, doesn't matter. He promises a peace, and he gives us a prescription for that peace. Deep, abiding peace is something difficult to understand. And Paul gives us a glimpse into the peace-filled life. Let's unpack this passage. First of all, in the beginning, God says, rejoice. So in the midst of tribulation, we are to rejoice. And in case there's someone that didn't get it the first time, 
He repeats himself. Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoicing is an essential in the midst of tribulation. This should always be our starting point. In all things, rejoice. Now, does this passage say, be happy about all things? I'd right, everybody do this. No. Happiness and joy are two separate things. Happiness is an emotion. We enjoy being happy. But let me tell you something about happiness. You can be just ecstatically happy when you get up in the morning. There are a few people like that. <laughs> I'm one of them. And you walk toward the bathroom, and all of a sudden you catch your little toe on your right foot on the bedpost, and it turns it out at a 45-degree angle. Guess what? You're not happy anymore. <laughs> Happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes with circumstances. But joy is always there as we celebrate what we have in the Father through Christ Jesus. See, joy is more than an emotion. Joy is that assurance of who Christ is in our lives now tomorrow, and for all eternity. If you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that is your promise. So you can rejoice in the Lord even in the midst of heartache or pain. You can rejoice. Then he says, the next words, let your gentleness be evident to all. What does the world see when the world looks at you? Do they see frustration? Do they see anger? Do they see bitterness? Sometimes, yeah. But what are we to project to those around us? Jesus. That's what God is talking about here. Let others see Christ in you. Because honestly, they may not ever see Christ again. But God uses us to show people who Christ is. So our gentleness needs to be projected. Not anxieties. Not worries. Not frustrations. And it's not just putting on a mask. It comes from deep inside as we rejoice in the Lord. Then in verse 6, God says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, I could, I could stand here this morning, and I'm not going to. <clears throat> I wanted to demonstrate it, but I'm going to, I don't need answers. But if I were to say, how many of you have taken the Lord's name in vain? You, you might, you know, kind of, but you don't want to admit it. Or how many of you have been so angry it would be, it would be considered murder against someone. Again, we, we don't, know, don't want to admit that. But if I say to you, how many of you worry? 
Boy, every one of our hands would go up. Why? Because we in ourselves have come to believe that worry is an acceptable sin. But guess what? God hates worry just as much as he hates adultery. It's on the same level. Okay. Because it's not being obedient to him. Because another word for anxious in this passage is translated the word worry. He wants us not to worry, but like a good parent, a perfect parent, he says, don't do this, do this. He gives us an immediate redirect. And that redirect here is to, in every situation, regardless what the situation is, by prayer and by petition, which means over and over and over and over and over again, make your request known to God. Now, I have been told, it's been a long time since I've heard this, but there was a season where this was, uh, it was passed around quite a bit, that if you pray more than once about something, that's showing a lack of faith in God, and God will not answer it. That is not true. Because God tells us right here and in other passages to pray by petition, which means continuously over and over and over and over again. Do we convince God in doing that? Absolutely not. Who changes when we pray by petition? I do. My prayer gets transformed as I'm spending time with the Father. And God hears those prayers. And he says to do this with thanksgiving. Now, I've, I've got, and y'all have probably heard me say this before. You're going to hear me say it at least one more time. I've got three older sisters that I grew up with. Okay? And, and I tell my sisters, that's why I went into counseling. Yeah. And they laugh. We have a good relationship. But one of my sisters got into that season of thanking God for everything. And I was about 12 years old, maybe 11, something like that. And one day she closed the car door and she slammed her finger in the door. And it was, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I looked at her like she had two heads. I'm like, he didn't slam your finger in the door. You did that. You weren't paying attention. Don't thank him for that. <clears throat> Got into a, a deep theological debate over that one. But she said, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, what am I supposed to ask him for? For healing for your broken finger. Okay. <clears throat> but we talked about that, and that's really the first time that I recall knowing the impact and the truth of that scripture, that in everything, give thanks. In the midst of the worst circumstances, we can thank God at least for the fact that I know Jesus. Okay, I can always thank him for that. But there's always things that we are to thank God for in the midst of trouble. You can thank him for the answer that he's going to send, because guess what? He's going to send an answer. So it's being thankful in the midst of 
difficulties. And then he says to present your request to God. What does God want to hear from us? Does he, he knows our heart. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We know that the Holy Spirit speaks and communicates to the Father in groanings too deep for words. So does God need to hear from us to know what's going on? No. But he wants to hear from us. He desires a relationship with us. He desires to hear our needs. Now, doing all of this has what result? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God promises a peace that goes beyond the peace that you would have if you understood every aspect of what was going on. If you had full and complete understanding, the peace that God promises is greater than that human peace you could have by knowing everything. Well, we don't know everything, obviously, and we're not going to know everything. So the peace that he promised goes beyond that understanding. He promises a peace when we follow his prescription for worry in our lives. Peace. He explains it as a peace that is present and it's eternal. He will guard our hearts and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. In every situation, whether good or bad, we present our request with thanksgiving to the Lord and we let go of things that we don't need to be hanging on to. Recognizing that God has the power and something amazing happens in us. And often in the circumstances themselves, God can transform the circumstances at his will. In this, we practice what God tells us to do. We're to put off the old. We're to put on the new. See, it's not just about stopping something. But we have to replace that anxiety or worry with something new. And in reality, what we can put off in our lives, we can put off fear. And we put on rejoicing. We can put off suspiciousness. And we can put on faith in God. We put, off on, we put off anxiety and we put on peace. Amazingly, divinely, miraculously, the peace of God that we have in Christ guards our hearts and our minds. Friends, this is a deeply personal Difficult to articulate 
concept, but it is true peace. And that's what Jesus promises. <clears throat> Things that are troubling are always very personal. The answer to God is also very personal. On May 4th, 2018, I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'd had a cerebellar stroke. The right side of my face was tingling. My hand, right side, down my right leg, my toes were tingling. And I thought, hmm, something's not right here. So I get up, and I walk to the bathroom. And instead of going through the door, I hit the wall. <laughs> now, it was dark, and there was enough light to see a little bit. But I was listening to the right, and I smacked right, just smacked into the wall. And I thought, okay, there is really something going on. So I go in, and I look in the mirror, and I do the stroke protocol to see, and everything seemed to be okay, but things were not feeling good. I came out, woke Kendra up. She took me to the ER in Greenville. My 5 a.m. friends met us at the hospital, helped me into the hospital room. And I've taught this passage in counseling for years. You know what came to mind in the midst of all of that? This passage. So I prayed. I asked God to strengthen me. I asked God for that peace that goes beyond understanding. For three days, my hospital room was filled with believers from this fellowship, from my family, from our Trace Diaz community, constantly in and out praying for me. What I experienced was a peace that went beyond understanding. I did not know what the result of that stroke was going to be. <clears throat> but God did. The peace that I felt was not about knowing the outcome. The peace that I felt was knowing Jesus in my heart. Peace is Christ's gift to you this year, <clears throat> today. Have you ever read through the Gospels and found yourself marveling at all the different circumstances that Jesus found himself in? And he always had that peace. There were times when people wanted to grab him and make him king. And then those same people would turn around and want to kill him. And he had peace. He was interrogated by the Jewish religious leaders of the day. On multiple occasions, the crowds would either want to crown him king or to kill him. On top of it all, he willingly chose on a particular day and for close to three years traveled with a man named Judas a man that he knew was going to betray him to death and yet Jesus walked with him <clears throat> what did Jesus know that we don't Maybe we know it, but we don't remind ourselves of it in every situation. Now, we know that literally Jesus was God and is God incarnate. 
He knows more than we will ever know. But Jesus had a complete and total trust in who he was and who God called him to be and what he was doing because he trusted the Father in any and every situation. Jesus had peace when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had peace when being questioned by Caiaphas. He had peace when when he was on trial before Pontius Pilate. Jesus had peace when he was being scourged, when he was being whipped. He had peace when he laid down on the cross and was nailed to a tree. powerful truth. Jesus has this kind of peace for you and for me. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. Again, in that upper room discourse in John 14, verse 1 and then verse 27. Jesus tells them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Here, Jesus was not telling his disciples, don't be troubled, because he himself was troubled by circumstances. But he's telling his disciples and us today, don't stay troubled. You can be troubled, but you turn to God and you work through that. And he gives us the prescription for that. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus was telling his disciples how not to remain troubled. To believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. And then in verse 27 of John 14, his answer was given to them about peace. And that passage starts with that word. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Because of the peace that he gives us. Peace is a gift of Jesus. And it's different from what the world gives. What have you received from the world lately? Maybe there's some good things this month. Maybe there's some bad things. Maybe this year has had some good things that have happened. And maybe this year there's been some hard things that have happened. We know that. We live that. The question is, are you ready receive the peace of Jesus today because that's what he wants for each of us yeah we're in tribulation we're in trials but in the midst of that he wants us to live in this peace the best Christmas gift ever would be for you to exist in the peace provided by Jesus
as we heard last week, we have hope because of who Christ is and what he promised to do in and through our lives. He's the light that shines in the darkness. We share that light of Christ with others by sharing the hope that we have. And today, friends, we know that we can also have a peace that goes beyond understanding by letting go of all that troubles us and trusting it to the ever-capable hands of Jesus. So reflect on this. What do you need to let go of today? If you ask God that, he's going to direct you. What do you need to place into the hands of Christ today? You know, there's no better hands to put things in than in the hands of Jesus. And what do you need to do today to receive his gift of peace? Join me in prayer. Father, we do come before you thanking you for Jesus. Thanking you for his willingness to come to the earth as a human, to live a life perfect, so that he would be the perfect lamb sacrifice to you to cover our every sin. And in that, Father, we have a peace that goes beyond understanding to guard our heart and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for the ability that we have to live in that peace because of who Jesus is. Father, it's in the precious, wonderful, holy name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen.